This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hey, so good to see and oh, hear from you again, Mac. And uh, you know, we spoke to you and and your dear wife Adina a number of uh, weeks ago. And uh, yeah, you are back with us. So thank you very, very much, and very, very welcome, Mac. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me again, Frederick. Mac, Frederick and I just discovered that this month we're celebrating our birthday. Can you believe it? Our program is now a year old. And I know you guys were one of the easy, uh, the earlier people that we had an interview with when we shortly after we started the program. So I think the first time that you did an interview with us was about a year ago. Can you believe it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite some time ago. Congratulations on your first anniversary of the yes. program. Thank you, Thank you so you. much. It's yeah. very special. Mm. Um, you know, Mac, um, <clears throat> in our introduction, we, we talk about... And we say we are dealing in our program with uh, reality, restoration, and redemption in the face of addiction. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about the last two lines of the serenity prayer. We have been talking quite a while about the serenity prayer. and um, But just uh, from your point of view as a recovering addict, and um, and like myself, and we, you know, we often have discussions with each other, and um, so we know that we are both restoring from from addiction. And so, from from your point of view, um, what is the these lines of the Serenity Prayer? Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, um, and so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you, that is, with Jesus, forever in the next. How, how, how is this playing out in your life, especially during this time when we are facing many challenges? Um, Frederick, yes. So, you know, these two little sentences actually can unpack so much information. Mm. And uh, trusting that you make all things right, I think... You know, we we do trust that God eventually makes things right in our life, but there is a if to that. Mm, <laughs> if mm, I surrender mm. to Your will, yes. and I think you know, in my in my addictive days, I never surrendered totally to God's will. Even though I was serving God, I was a leader in the church, and I I honestly had a relationship with God. I know that I. Had, that God never made all things right mm, because mm. I hadn't yet surrendered fully to his will. Mm. So that, in, in a nutshell, that's what that one means to me. And the second one is, yeah, we can probably speak about that till eternity comes. Yeah. <laughs> so then I may be reasonably happy in this life. Mm. I think everyone wants to be happy in mm. this life. And so do I. But, you can. I, I could only be happy to a certain point because I had too many secrets, and those secrets kept me unhappy mm, mm, and mm, unsatisfied mm. and not content in my life enough to have this relationship with God that was totally open and honest and transparent. Mm, yes. And then the last part of that serenity prayer says, "I'm supremely happy with you forever in the next." Well, we know that we're going to be forever in heaven with Jesus, with God, and 
we will be then. There will be no more suffering, no more pain, no mm. more death, mm. and we will be with him forever. And that would be, we'll have supreme happiness and joy. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's what those two lines mean to me. Yeah, so, but you know that forever um, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ also has a condition, and that is, have we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? So we are not talking about universalism here in that um, anybody can just say, okay, I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to be happy there forever in the, uh, with, with Jesus. But there needs, to, there needs to be a decision that has been made to receive the gift that Jesus has brought for us through his suffering on the cross and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we... Yeah. With that, the, uh, turning our wills over to him. Mm, mm. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah I, I, um, yeah, I think, you know, in my life, I made a decision when I was about 19 years old um, to follow Jesus. Uh, I was brought up in this dysfunctional family where I felt totally unloved. Um, I never had a relationship with my mother and father. It, it was a disciplinarian type of relationship. There was never any love. And I, I was seeking some kind of love, and when I was about 19 years old, I turned to Jesus, and mm. I turned to God, and I committed my life. And I knew at that very moment, I just knew that I knew that I had this relationship with Jesus. And when I read more of the Bible and I found out about heaven, I knew. I just had such an assurance that whenever whenever I happen to go into the next life, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. So mm. that is that is such a great thing. And I, I just, you know, if, if only everyone could come to that realization. And we can. God gives every one of us the opportunity mm. to to come to that realization that we cannot save ourselves, that mm. we in our own right are, are, are evil, we are wrong, we all sinned, mm. and we need Jesus to forgive us. Absolutely. Mm. Mac, I'm curious because, um, you know, so often we, we say when we came to know Jesus, then things just started going the right way. But for so many of us, unfortunately, that was not it. Hey? In spite of the fact that we had given our, our lives to him, somehow the addiction still continues for mm. many people. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about how it changed for you? Since you came to know Jesus, and then when you started working a program of recovery, what what is different? Okay, so when I came to know Jesus, uh, I, I had this definite relationship with God, and I, and that relationship grew. But I had addiction, I had sexual addiction issues that kept coming back into my life, even after I'd given my life to Jesus. Mm. And I honestly thought that they would disappear when I gave my life to Jesus. Mm. God's going to take this all away. Mm. He'll make all things right. But you know, there is that if I surrender to your will. And so, yes, many things in my life did come right. Um, I must say, many things changed for the positive in my life when I gave my life to Jesus. I, I went from an introvert to a a, a total believer in Jesus that was confident in my beliefs and I could speak to people about Jesus when before I, I couldn't even speak to people at all. I was I was so self-conscious. Mm. And uh, so God took a lot of things away and I surrendered a lot of things to God, mm. but I didn't surrender this addiction. Mm. I honestly believe, and it took, uh, I have to admit, it took 40 years. I was only 60 years old when I, when I eventually surrendered to God. Mm. And I had to reach rock bottom to get there. Mm. And even mm. though I was believing all along and I was a believer in Jesus, 
I never surrendered this part of my life mm. totally to him. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, 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 the Bible says that we must, one of the steps as well says that we must confess our sins to ourselves, to God, and to someone we trust. Yes. Well, I probably confess to myself, even though, even to myself, I think I try to hide this, but I certainly try to hide it from God. Mm. Even though I knew God knew, I try to de- take it away and I put it away. And, and then I also hid it from other people, like including my wife. So that affected our intimacy, that affected our relationship. Mm. And yeah, I mean, only when I came into recovery about five years ago, did, did I really believe that the first time in my life I truly repent and truly surrendered, surrendered everything. Mm. Because I had, I realized I'd reached rock bottom. My wife and I had separated and, and I was, I was, my life was a mess and I shouldn't have been. I had everything else in my life looked pretty ordinary and pretty much together. But because I hadn't totally repented of this addiction and not that God took it away, you know, trusting that you make all things right doesn't mean that bang, it's all gone. Yeah. I think it, it, it means that if we do our part, and if, when I started working a program of recovery to, to, to heal, for God to heal me of this disease of addiction, I believe that at that point, God started making things even more right in my mm, life yes. and with my relationship with my wife. We got together after six months of separation. But during that six months, I had worked in a very difficult path a very difficult journey of recovery. It's not easy. It wasn't the easiest thing I've done, but the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. Besides besides giving my life to Jesus, that is the second most rewarding thing I've ever done, was work through the 12 steps and allow God to to begin his healing. And this process still continues. Mm. Yes. Mac, we're going to be taking a break uh, any moment now, but uh, after the break, I'd like us to explore a little bit more about your rock bottom. You know, um, many of us that have, uh, or just about all addicts that are in recovery, needed to get to that point of rock bottom. And uh, in AA, they talk about the gift of desperation. So let's talk a little bit about that after the break. Yeah, Mac, we were talking about what does a rock bottom look like? Uh, you know, in my in my life, uh, when my addiction um, stuck its head out, um, I had to start changing and I had to start asking for help. But I couldn't do that on my own until there was a point of crisis um, when Suki told me that I better do something about my addiction. And, uh, and if I don't do it, then I'm going to be losing many things. And that was my rock bottom. That was my gift of desperation. And then I reached out for help. What did yours look like, uh, Mac? Um. Frederick, mine was similar. I had reached a, a few lows in my life, and it was mostly when I got caught with my uh, addiction issues. Mm. So I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing, and my wife catches me out, and I mm. apologize, and I tell her I'm never going to do this again, mm. and I honestly don't want to, but then something else crops up, and, and I get caught again five years later. And so this happened a number of times, probably three or four times during our, our 38 years of marriage. Um, and 
so the whole time I'm trying to fight this thing, mm. but I'm not getting the better of it because I'm trying to do it in my own strength mm. and I'm not handing it totally over to God. And then what happened is, you know, when about five years ago, when we, I reached total rock bottom, I became totally desperate. Um, I just realized that I had no control over this, that this thing would come back and without me being able to control, I, as much as I felt I was in control, I couldn't control this issue mm. in my life. Mm. And, uh, and once again, it, uh, it, I, I just realized, Adeen I, I, said to me, look, we can't carry on like this. And she asked me to leave and, and uh, I left, but then I, I really, uh, when I touched rock bottom that I cried out to God. I said, God, you're going to have to help me here. I've been trying to fix this thing all my mm. life, and I need you. And uh, and God came to the party, if I can call it that, mm. yeah. through a number of friends and through a number of different people that guided me in the right direction. I then found out even about sexual addiction, which I wasn't aware of. And then I found the, the, the recovery rooms for this specific issue, and that mm. really made a massive change in my life mm. so I, I, what i what i hear uh, mac as well is that uh, when you reach reach rock bottom when i reached rock bottom we for the first time perhaps saw the reality uh, we were no longer in fantasy but we could see the reality and that is when the the restoration journey could actually start moving ahead um you know, and I, I, I don't know if you found that, but I often, before I started a recovery journey, prayed that God will take away my addiction. Um, but it was not in from an uh, intimate, close relationship with him. I just wanted to feel better and uh, not feel guilty. How was it for you? Frederick, yes. You know, for me, it, was a, it wasn't a quick, you know, surrender and all was taken away. Mm. I think I, I had prayed many times. I had been for deliverance. Asking, I honestly wanted to be delivered if that's going to solve me. And I believe that we do need deliverance. Mm. Yes. Mm. But in most cases, and in, in my case, it wasn't an instant fix. Mm. And many, many Christians want this instant fix. And mm. sometimes God wants us to rather walk through down that path that difficult path mm. of restoration mm. where he will restore us as we take the steps of working on our own issues. Because, you know, God, God can deliver us immediately, but then we come, we just go back again in the future to the same issues because we haven't worked the program. We haven't worked the whole restoration into our life. Mm. My dad, now there are, I'm, you know, God can deliver people immediately. My yes. dad was a typical example. My dad was an alcoholic um, and he was probably 55 years old when, when he cried out to God and he totally stopped alcohol and, uh, and God delivered him. And I thought he has to go, he has to go to uh, uh, um, rehab and he has to, you know, but he didn't. And, and, he lived the next 20 years of his life free from that addiction. Mm. And so people can get delivered instantly. Mm. I believe that a lot of his character defects were still in his life. Mm. And that's what we learned in, mm. in, in this recovery journey and in this restoration is that you have to work on our character defects. Mm. So for me, for me, it has been a journey. It mm. has been a journey, mm. a very difficult journey. 
and uh, you know to look at my issues, my character defects, and then to make amends with the people that that I've harmed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that was a, a really long journey, very difficult. But I do now feel that God has made things right in my life because I have surrendered now to His will, mm-hmm. and uh, I am I am reasonably happy right now in this life. Yeah. And, and I'm looking forward to the future life. I'm not afraid of death. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not afraid of of COVID and all these things that are happening around us. Mm. And it's been really difficult, um, but at least God is in control. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But Mac, when I listen to you, I also hear an ongoing surrendering process. Mm. Hey, mm. Mm. Um, You know, there's those deep rock bottom moments when you surrender, but it's a daily surrender because we need to daily keep on living life and say, Lord, your will, not my will. Even today, I want your will. Isn't that so? Absolutely, you know, in the recovery rooms, we speak about one day at a time. Mm. And so for, for today, I'm okay for today, but tomorrow mm. I have to start again. Mm. And, I start, and I have to confess, I have to surrender, and I have to follow God's will mm. daily. Mm. It is a daily program. This is not a, you know, and that's how I live my life now. I live my life surrendering daily. Mm. Every day I look to God as my source and my provider and and yeah, you know, every you know, every day mm. I look at w- what things mm. did I do wrong yesterday that I can do better today, yeah. and mm. not repeat the things I've done wrong. So yes, it is a daily program for me. Amen. And you know, it reminds me. So we at the two, last two sentences now of the Serenity Prayer, we've been working through it gradually the past few months, and it reminds me of the other sentence that says, "One day at a time, one moment at a time." And then also yes. it reminds me of the 12 steps of recovery um, that uh, I, I give my life, step three, give my will and my life over to God. Um, and that's something that we need to do every day because, mm-hmm. oh boy, things just don't go the way we want it. Hey? And my life is not the way I want it. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to give it up and say, God, but I give it over to you because you're in control. And I believe that you will work things out and that I will be reasonably happy in this life if I continue to surrender my will to you. Wow. Um, Mac, I, I wanted to ask you Oh, something else that I also became aware of when I listened to you guys talking. Both of you said it was when your wives... Interesting. Now, listen, who's the wife here? <laughs> um, kind of said to you, created that moment of crisis. So now I also want to speak to to partners of addicts. You know, um, for many, many years, I prayed for Frederick. We were on the mission field when his addiction started rearing its ugly head, um, when he was exposed to the uh, the video covers that we saw on his way to the university on the bicycle with a nude woman, naked woman. And when he said, I don't want to do this, but I keep on thinking about this. And I said, you know what, my dear, we will pray this away. Um, and in the name of Jesus, I was praying against these things. I thought it was the enemy's plan to, you know, because we prepared 17 years to go to the mission field. Now you can imagine we were there for a year and now Frederick told me, I'm thinking about these things all the time. I don't want to do that. And um, when I find myself, I look for stuff on the internet. Please pray for me. Um, And I really thought it was my job to Mm -hmm. pray this away. (laughs) And I did. 
I did for a long time. I really prayed. I was on my knees. And what I find with many ladies that come to the COSA groups and the groups where I'm involved with partners of addicts, they almost lose their faith because they said, I prayed so much and this mm, didn't go mm, away. Mm, mm. What do you, how do you respond to this? Um, you know, I do, I do, I, I really feel for the ladies and the, the partners and my wife that, that has also prayed very, so often and, and really believed God that God would just take this away, that God would remove it. I think, you know, until we looked into our, our childhoods, our upbringings, our dysfunctions that cause these issues. You know, some people can, for instance, look at pornography and they can turn away from it and never look at it again. Mm. But some of us, when we just have this addictive lifestyle or habit that just draws us back to it continually, and even though my wife might pray, if if I haven't sorted out the root issues inside of myself, Mm. they come back again. And as much as my wife says, as much as God wants to heal that, He knows that I haven't really surrendered that. Mm. I haven't. I haven't really. I'm not doing His will in that area of my life. Right. And as much as my wife prays, God can't change. He can't. He can't. He's not going to just change me if I don't surrender to Exactly. So that's. You know, that's what I found in, in our yes. relationship. And I just want to say to the ladies here, we need to change the the serenity prayer. The beginning says to accept the things we can change, and change the things we can. And uh, sorry, grant, grant me the serenity uh, to yeah. accept the things, things I cannot change. Yes, exactly. Courage to yes. change exactly. the things I can. Thank you, Frederick, for that beautiful voice with <laughs> truth coming in here. <laughs> that I cannot change what my husband does. That's what I want to say, ladies. And sometimes yes. we need to rock the boat. If we've prayed the prayers, then we need to, like with both these men and with many men, I know, the crisis or the real surrender would not have come if the woman said, but up till here, I cannot do this anymore. And it doesn't sound like the Christian way, the forgiving and the loving and all that. But sometimes the tough love needs to happen, right? Mm. For the crisis to come and for the rock bottom, for the surrender to happen. And then also for us as ladies to surrender our husbands to God Mm. and not to try and fix them and Mm. to try and get them Mm. to change. Hey. Ah, So, you know, Suki, so, so true. And I... I wish I could re undo or undo all the damage, all the distrust that I have caused. And um, but of course we cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot live in the past. We cannot live into the future. We can live today, uh, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. And uh, unfortunately, we have to close off now, Suki. Mm-hmm. But I just the last thought that I thought needs to be said is that. This journey of restoration is a journey into intimacy. Mm. Um, And intimacy cannot happen if we are not in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God. Mm. And it cannot happen if we are not in an intimate relationship with our wives, with those closest to us, and with ourselves. Mm. And we do not need to live captured in our addiction. Mm but that there is hope. So any person that is caught in addiction, whether you're a man or a lady, there is hope Mm. and there is a journey 
into freedom. Amen. And I just want to say, Mac is part of Celebrate Recovery. It's a worldwide movement started by um, John Baker and um, the <laughs> Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. Yeah. <laughs> and so, write to us if you want to be part of a program and if you're interested. There are many online programs that a person can be part of. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye. And listeners, I want to invite you to, if you missed any of the previous programs, to go back to kpulpa.co.za forward slash podcast forward slash into me see. And remember that you can write to us at fredericksuki at kpulpit.co.za. Till next time, God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.